Greetings and welcome to White Throne Baptist Church Online. Today we're going to talk about why we remember. Why we remember. We're facing a Memorial Day weekend here, and for many of us that means an extra day off, an extra day to enjoy a continuation of the weekend and what we have on the weekend, but it's much more than that, and I think we can see that as we turn to the scriptures here. We're going to see uh, why it is that we remember. Why do we celebrate this day? Why should we, uh, as believers, consider the things that this day draws our attention to? We'll be in John chapter 15 today, uh, but before that I want to do by way of invitation, or uh, introduction rather, to set the, the tone for this, because the question immediately comes when we come to a holiday as believers in Jesus Christ. The question is, should we celebrate holidays? And in endeavoring to answer that, we search the scriptures, of course, primarily. And I found a particularly helpful search of the scriptures that was done by Got Questions. You may have heard of them at gotquestions.org. Sometimes they're very helpful in, uh, in organizing things from the scriptures. And as we do a survey of scripture, here's what we will find. We'll find no command to celebrate particular holidays. Uh, we're given an ordinance from the Lord Jesus Christ to remember him with the Lord's Supper, but we are not prescribed when and, and exactly how to do that. Um, there's also uh, given to us the idea of baptism, but there's no particular scheduled time for that. We have the ordination of baptism for all believers when they come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized, making that public confession of what they indeed believe. But there's no... Uh, command to celebrate any particular holiday, including Christmas or Easter. For that reason, some have decided, well, we ought not to celebrate holidays then because the Bible doesn't tell us to. Uh, th but there's also no prohibition in Scripture. In other words, the Scripture never says, don't celebrate holidays. So to celebrate any given holiday would be allowable for a Christian. The question becomes then, is it helpful? And many holidays, as we know, even some of the so-called Christian holidays have questionable origins. And people have simply ascribed Christian meaning to it. They have laid over scriptural truth over top of what was originally a pagan idea or a pagan truth. And some are okay with that, but some need to throw it out entirely because they're not able to get over the pagan roots of some of the holidays. And so they, some Christians don't observe them at all. Uh, and indeed, what we find is that is a question of conscience, really. It's something that Paul would cover in Romans chapters 14 and 15, where he says that we have to decide certain things for ourselves, come to certain convictions for ourselves, because some things are optional. And when we do so, we should not judge those who do or do not the way we do, uh, but allow for that Christian liberty. Well, they give us a test at uh, gotquestions.org considering uh, whether or not we should promote or celebrate a holiday. Uh, the first question would be this, does the holiday promote in any way a false doctrine or superstition or immorality? Um, and I think we can see from these, these questions, these could be very helpful. Their second question would be, can we thank God for what we observe on a holiday? The third question they ask is, will celebrating the holiday detract from our Christian testimony or witness? 
And finally, their fourth question is, is there a way to redeem elements of the holiday and use them to glorify God? Well, as we consider Memorial Day, in asking all these questions, of course, we ought to pray for God for wisdom and guidance on these things. But ultimately, these issues, like I said, will be a matter of conscience. But let's put Memorial Day to the test with these questions. Does it promote a false doctrine, superstition, or immorality? And I would have to say no. In the way that our nation celebrates Memorial Day, we don't uh, acknowledge any kind of ancestral worship or anything like that. We're simply acknowledging and remembering those who have sacrificed in military service, whether in conflict or not, to our nation. The second question was, can we thank God for those things that the holiday speaks of? And indeed, I believe we can thank God for those who have sacrificed in service to our nation uh, which is a service to others. We'll talk about this more as we go on. The third question is, will this damage our testimony? Uh, and I would have to say in our national uh, context, no, celebrating Memorial Day does not damage our testimony as Christians. Refusing to observe it may damage our testimony with some. And being overzealous and having an overzealous nationalistic kind of fervor about the holiday may be a problem for some and, and may indeed damage our testimony in that way. But if we, by and large, celebrate the holiday as it was intended, we shouldn't be damaging our Christian testimony. And a fourth question there is, are there redeemable elements of this in which we can glorify God? And Memorial Day, as we will see, has much to commend it by way of glorifying God. Memorial Day in our nation is about those who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives in military service to the United States of America. Whether we were at war or at peace, if they gave their lives uh, in, and lost their lives in military service, indeed they are honored on this day. But this holiday has grown to encompass, um, indeed, all loss of life of active duty military. And so it's something that we want to consider, and those are the ones we want to remember on this day. But what about this holiday should Christians focus on? How does this give us an opportunity to glorify God? Well, we're going to start here in John chapter 15, and we're going to start with the quality of self-sacrifice. Let's see what Jesus says here in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the fa my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Well, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, as we consider these things today, I pray that you would guide us in the understanding of your scriptures, that you would give us discernment, Lord, as we engage with a topic for, Lord, uh, very often when we don't have a central focus of Scripture, we can, we can be led astray. We can fall into a simple proof texting. So help us to be faithful to your Scriptures this day. Help us to discern the truth of 
how a believer ought to frame and understand Memorial Day in their lives. Lord, I pray that you'll do a great work in us this day and that you indeed will glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there we have the scriptures uh, from Jesus, and Jesus lays down a, a very simple principle here in John chapter 15. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so what we see from this is we can extract a, a basic principle here that self-sacrifice is admirable. Self-sacrifice is admirable. Now, this is not to say that a foolish self-sacrifice, a self-sacrifice that ultimately ends in no benefit for anyone, or that is, is simply a, a flippant throwing of the life away, of course, wouldn't be excluded from what Jesus is saying here. We have to bring wisdom to bear on the issue. But Jesus makes it very clear that this self-sacrifice, this intended sacrifice for the benefit of others, is an admirable thing. Now, first of all, we want to do justice to the context of the scripture we're reading here. And ultimately, this scripture is not about Memorial Day. It's not about serving your nation in its military and, and giving your life in that way. In this context, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about loving one another. This is the night that Jesus was taken and arrested and the next day crucified. And so he's preparing them for his absence and he's giving them the importance of loving one another. In fact, at the beginning of this discourse, and we, we read in John chapter 13, that their love for one another would be their defining attribute. It would be the thing that would set them apart from the rest of the world, indeed, that they would love one another. And so he's not speaking here of acutely dying for friends, but he's speaking here of something that's actually more difficult. And you might ask, what's more difficult than dying for friends or dying for someone else? What is more difficult is living for someone else. See, he implores them to love one another. And he begins and ends this with these bookends. You look at verse 12 and, and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And he ends with this too. In verse 17, he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. And so the purpose of this is for them to love one another. It's going to be very necessary for these disciples to love one another, to care for one another in Jesus' absence, both in the few days that he is in the grave, but even more importantly, in the long term, as Jesus ascends into heaven and they are left with one another here on earth to care for one another as they share the gospel under difficult circumstances. And so he was preparing them for a lifetime of ministry and service and to be living sacrifices for one another. And so in the short term, he is speaking that they must love one another, that they must live for one another. But he's also speaking of his own death for them. Jesus said earlier in the book of John, in John chapter 10, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is powerfully important to understand that he is preparing the disciples for his death. And he is telling them that his death has meaning and purpose because he's laying it down for them. For indeed, they are his friends. He says, I call you friends and... Uh, you know, I no longer call you simply servants, but indeed friends. 
And so this is something that he is pointing to that indeed, no longer do I call you servants because now they're clued in on what's happening. After his crucifixion and resurrection, I'll understand much more what he's talking about, but he is speaking clearly of his death for them as well. So is it a legitimate broader application then to say that sacrificial service to your fellow human being is pleasing to God? Well, let's look at the law here. Uh, look in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Yeah, we're going all the way back to the books of Moses early in the Bible as the people of Israel received the law of God, his revelation of his will for them and indeed for all human beings. And he says here in Leviticus 19, 18, um, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You say, well, that sounds familiar. Isn't that something Jesus said? Yeah, Jesus said that. He said it in all the Gospels. He narrowed down the law to two things. First of all, love God. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. He quotes the Old Testament here. He doesn't make something new, but he quotes the Old. And indeed, we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And then he gives them uh, this love to one, love one another. And he says, there's no greater love than to lay down our life. So what Jesus was teaching the disciples here was not something new. This was always the intent of the law to love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus says so, quoting this law of Moses, he's showing very, very clearly that we should be putting others' interests before our own. We recently did a study of the book of Philippians and we found that that was precisely what Paul was saying to the Philippian church, to put others' interests ahead of your own. And then he holds up Jesus as the ultimate example of this. Self-sacrifice, therefore, for one another and for others is admirable. It's something to be uh, commended, uh, and it's indeed commanded in a way by God by telling us to be living sacrifices. Not that we would ultimately die for somebody in particular, but that we would give sacrificially in their interest. So this puts what is honored in Memorial Day right at the center of the will of God. Noble sacrifice is indeed pleasing to God. And it indeed should be celebrated when it is seen in mankind. So does this then put the focus on men? Does this glorify men? Is this a holiday about lifting up mankind and glorifying man? And, you know, shouldn't we be about glorifying God? If you glorify man, glorify God at the same time. Now, that's not to say you worship man or that you put him on a pedestal or that you take man out of perspective, that indeed he is a creation and not the creator. You know, man is always less than God. But indeed, when we recognize good qualities in mankind, we can give honor to God for those good things. You know, James says in his letter in the first chapter, he says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so all good things are from the Lord. All good things can be attributed to him. And does that mean the good qualities and good actions in individual human beings? Yes, it absolutely does. Look in Romans chapter 2 and look what he says here, what Paul says as he describes his gospel, what he says about mankind. He says, 
when the Gentiles who do not have the laws, who's going to contrast the Gentiles with the Jews who had the actual law of God, he says, when the Gentiles do the things that the law requires by nature, they become then a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show, and look at this, that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or excuse them. This is a very important principle. It's part of what we call general revelation, the fact that God has written his law in the hearts of all human beings. Now we know that human beings sin and they fall short of that. They never completely fulfill that law that's written on their hearts. But this explains many things, including the universal tendency of mankind to have some kind of morality. We will disagree on what is moral and right, but indeed, nevertheless, the impulse is there. Everyone has, has to draw the line somewhere at human behavior. And even though our lines don't match up, all of us have those lines. All of us draw those lines. All of us have a moral witness in ourselves, and it is brought to us through our conscience, this law that is written on our hearts. And so if we ever do a good thing, then really it's God who gets the glory for writing that on our hearts. We're responding to what he has done in making us in, in his image to be moral agents and then bringing forth what he has put in our hearts to do. So this is powerfully important that we understand what God is doing here. God has put in us what is right and honorable to do. Therefore, whenever somebody does something right and honorable, we can give God glory for those things. The human impulse to serve, the human impulse to, to help one another, to, to be compassionate, all these things are gifts from God to us, including the impulse to serve your country in furthering its cause in the cause of helping others. So does this then take away from the person? Does this minimize from the person? I mean, after all, they, they gave their lives now. We're going to give all the credit to God? No, not at all. It honors the person as it puts in perspective what they did. They did something that glorified God. And there can be no higher calling and no higher achievement. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes came down to this for Solomon as he reflected upon his life and what was truly important in life. He brought it down to this. What's really important is to fear God and obey his commandments. And indeed, someone is doing that, even if they don't consciously realize it, when they do a great service to their fellow man. And many will debate the merits of honoring uh, those that have given their lives by questioning the conflicts in which these people were lost, especially all the conflicts we've been engaged in since World War II. Some will suggest that we were on the wrong side of some of the conflicts and that the effort was meaningless. Now, I'm not here to debate these things. Matter of fact, I don't really know enough about these things, and I wonder if any of us truly know enough about all these things to say whether we were on the right side or the wrong side. The political intent, even if it was impure or irresponsible, is really, really irrelevant when it comes to honoring the individuals that by and large went with a good intention into these conflicts. Most in military service sought to serve their country and serve their fellow man. They, they were 
responding to an impulse within themselves that was ultimately good, ultimately something given by God, written on their hearts to do. Now, we also understand that some people entered into military service for all kinds of other reasons that were not so noble. Maybe they were trying to get away from a bad situation in their life. Maybe they didn't feel like they had any other way to make it. Maybe they just embraced the great opportunities that they saw there. And therefore, we would look at their intentions and say, well, that's kind of selfishly motivated. But nevertheless, they ended up paying the price. And when it came right down to it, they indeed did serve in a way that is generally looked upon as noble. And therefore, because God judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart, each person individually, but we can't read those thoughts and intentions, we do our best to give people the benefit of the doubt, to judge mercifully the service of others like we would hope to be judged. Self-sacrifice is honorable and should be honored. Now, remembering it, and remembering people is also honorable in and of itself. Let's take a look at Philippians 4, 8 here. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Remembering is honorable. It falls among the things in this category because there are things about remembering those who have served, things that are commendable, things that are excellent, things that are worthy of praise. And notice in this verse, these, these descriptions here, as Christians, we have discernment. We can examine things objectively. According to the scripture, we have the ultimate objective source of truth, that is God himself, as he has revealed himself in the scripture, we have the ability to look back and we can honor what deserves to be honored. And this is a pattern of God anyway, that remembering is honorable. The Bible is full of memorials, particularly in the Old Testament. Memorials were given to the Israelites on a couple of occasions when they came into the promised land. They were told to set up a monument so that we could remember and tell these things to our children. They were given a whole calendar of feasts to draw attention to great theological truths and events in their lives uh, that God had done. And throughout the whole year then, they had this witness, this these memorial things that would draw their attention to God, remind them of who he is and what he had done for them. The greatest of those feasts, of course, was the Passover, which of course pointed back to God redeeming the nation of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt and bringing them out and bringing them to a land of their own, the promised land. Well, of course, the Passover also pointed forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of the world. He was the Lamb of God. He was the Passover Lamb that indeed was sacrificed on the Passover itself. And Jesus took that occasion on the Passover as he ate the Passover meal with his disciples to give us another memorial of himself. Not one to be celebrated necessarily on any particular day, but to be celebrated when we were together and when we broke bread, and we know it as the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And he said to do this in remembrance of me, remembrance of his body and his blood that were given for us, the blood that cleanses us of our sin, the blood that is, as he said, of the new covenant. 
He was the ultimate friend who laid down his life for his friends, and he gave us a memorial to remember it by. Now that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and what we're talking about with Memorial Day, of course, is we're talking about common people. Maybe it's not fair to take the Lord's Supper and apply it in this way. Well, if you don't feel that's fair, I would turn you to Hebrews chapter 11, which we know is the Hall of Faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, many characters, people of the Old Testament, are brought across the, the screen, so to speak, as we read the scriptures, and they are commended for their faith. And attention is drawn to those actions which testified to their faith. Each one is declared faithful by the action that they did to show forth their faith. And the author was encouraging the audience in the book of Hebrews to persevere, to not turn back from the Christian message, not to go back to the Jewish ways merely of doing things, but to steadfastly hold the course, even if it meant difficulty, even if it meant personal sacrifice. See, they, the recipients of the letter were being tempted to fall away from the Christian faith, to just kind of back up and kind of reset back to the Jewish faith because of persecution. And their persisting in the Christian faith would mean some kind of, some level of sacrifice, either sacrificing social standing or popularity, or in some cases, even their freedoms and property and lives. And the encouragement to them is look back at these others who believed and held on to the truth and they believed God and they acted. And that's precisely what the author to the, to the Hebrews was trying to accomplish to hold on, to stay steadfast in your faith and move forward in it and not shrink back from the change. So we see that remembering is honorable. Remembering is also very wise. because, And, and it's also honorable to remember because there is real loss associated with these things. It draws to mind those who have lost loved ones who need our comforting and care in their loss. This is why remembering is honorable because it helps us to remember those that have experienced these real losses and this real hurt. It employs our affections toward compassion so that we can share with those who have lost. Remembering is honorable in and of itself, but remembering is also wise we have entire generations that are not experiencing or connected to this kind of sacrifice. The, those of the uh, World War II era, the, the veterans of that time are almost completely gone. Their children are growing to an age uh, that they were so young when the sacrifice was made that they're, they're aged now and, and they don't remember it all that well and they're not connected as much to our youth, at least directly by parentage. And so we are becoming generationally separated from this kind of sacrifice that we're speaking of. Even those from the Vietnam era are, are growing very old. In our recent conflicts uh, in the Middle East, those conflicts have not produced such a, such a wave of casualties uh, indeed, there have been many, and I don't want to minimize those losses, but nevertheless, it's not something that those who have lost 
uh, fit such a large piece of the demographic puzzle in the United States. And so we have entire generation almost growing up without connection to this kind of loss. And they don't know the answers to the question like, why, why is there conflict? What is the cost of freedom? What's the nature of mankind? And why is there this need for this, this diligence and fighting back, resisting these other nations and, and mankind's sin and resisting the godless ideas and movements? We need to tell these stories so that we can answer these questions. We as believers ought to be able to articulate why it is that a nation must stay diligent to fight back forces of evil and, and things of these nature that come through. We have to remember and we have to bring forth and, and remind people continually that ideas have consequences. This is particularly important in our day and age, in this nation, in our context right now in the early 21st century, because many of the ideas that led to great conflicts and tremendous loss of life around the world in the previous century are resurfacing among our own people, particularly among our own youth. And it is this opportunity that we must embrace to remember and to remind uh, what has happened in the past. The entire world is continually in conflict and freedom in this world is not free. There's always activity by the evil one to oppress and to conquer and to kill, but his ways are always subtle. His schemes become disguised uh, under the the cover of economic fairness, of nationalism, or some other seemingly noble pursuit. No movement of Satan on the world scene is straightforward and honest. Therefore, we must continue to remember how his movements have manifested themselves in the past and remember the sacrifice of those who fought to, to stop, to slow these kind of progressions. This is part of our Christian duty. This is part of spreading the gospel. I want to draw your attention to Romans uh, chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is giving his gospel. In chapter 1, he tells the Roman church, I'm eager to preach a gospel to you. And then he goes right into it. And the next several chapters lay out what is the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ came to save us, that the righteousness of God has been made available to man through faith in Jesus. But I don't think we ought to be consumed with world conflicts. We ought to be informed. Now, but look at what Paul says here to put world conflicts in perspective. He says in chapter 1, verse 18, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So Paul begins his gospel here with this general idea, the universal problem of sin and that the wrath of God is being revealed. Well, the wrath of God is being revealed through the curses on this planet, through the difficulties we have, through his punishment on sin and evildoers, for his judgment of nations. He brings nations in judgment against other nations. And we see this pattern very clearly in the Old Testament. And that is part of what Paul's referring to here when he says the wrath of God is being revealed. It's being revealed continually in our present day. But this was his way of 
introducing the gospel, the good news, because he starts from this point and he applies this personally to all of us by condemning mankind, every individual, as being lost and being under sin. That is devoid of righteousness so that he can introduce the truth that the righteousness of God has been made available in Jesus Christ through faith. So Paul started broad. He started with the big picture and then he narrows it down, applies it individually, and then he brings forth the gospel. This is how we ought to view these things, how we ought to understand these things. And indeed, as part of sharing the gospel, it's very wise to remember these things on the global scene have a connection to the, the, the truth of the gospel and that they point to the problem. They point to the fallen nature of our world. They point to the fallen nature of mankind. And those that have sacrificed in this way and have lost life, they show us the truth that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven and indeed it, it eventually lands on each one of us. And eventually our mortality becomes very evident in our death. So this also helps us to know how to minister to people, how to prepare their hearts for sacrifice or for loss. Remembrance grabs real-life examples for us to emulate. Memorial Day offers then Christian opportunity to glorify God, to apply His knowledge in the sharing of the gospel, and to move His hand and to, to minister to the needs of others. Self-sacrifice is admirable. Remembering it is honorable. And remembering it is wise. The question then becomes, what ought we to do with what we have learned today? Well, I see four applications right away. What we want to do, first of all, is give God the glory. Remember, if, if anyone has given their lives for a noble thing, if any nation has ever done a noble thing, uh, if any individual has done a noble thing, we understand that this is in response to the impulse of God that he has written on our hearts to do such things. Therefore, we ought to give this occasion to glorify God for what he has done through people. Uh, this indeed is, he is worthy of praise in this area. For had he left us alone, had he left us to our own devices, had he not given us governing entities to hold back sin, yes, that's his purpose in having, having these governing authorities, is to suppress sin. Why? So that we might have peaceable lives in which to share the gospel. Give God glory for what these people have done to, to further the cause of our nation and to serve their fellow man. But also... Uh, do honor those who have gone, for they were responding rightly to impulses inside themselves that God had given, and therefore in them God was glorified. We also want to pray. We want to pray for those who have lost. We want to minister to those who have lost. We want to pray for those who now serve. We want to pray for those in leadership in our nation to minimize these kind of losses, but also to be on the right side of these world conflicts. We want to pray that those who do indeed serve and who are going to lose their lives to serve have done it for good reason, not for the vanity of politicians. And so we need to 
to pray for our politicians. We need to pray for our leaders that indeed they are wise in how they handle things. We need to pray that they are sensitive to the, the truth of God. We need to pray that they be saved. Then and only then can they have proper perspective of these things and serve properly in their role. And so we want to pray for those in active service. We want to pray for those who lead them. And we want to pray for the opportunity to share the gospel with all of those and with one another. We want to also consider these things. Consider the gospel connection to this Memorial Day and to the opportunity that it presents to speak of self-sacrifice, to speak of conflict world conflict, to talk about these things plainly with somebody and to show them uh, the truth that redemption is available through the ultimate self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's something else we want to consider too. You want to consider, have you acknowledged the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ? For it's only there that we can be saved. It's only in faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he indeed gave himself to pay the price for our sins and was raised again to prove that this sacrifice was acceptable and pleasing to God. Do you really believe that? And have you acted upon it by repenting of your sins and turning to God to have lordship over your life and lead you and guide you? Have you given your life over to God? Have you made that first sacrifice that makes all future sacrifice meaningful? Pray about those things, whether you indeed have done so. And if you have found that you have done so, then take the encouragement of the scriptures and become for yourself a living sacrifice. The scripture says that this is holy and pleasing to God. We are called to self-sacrifice, but not in the dramatic kind of way that is a momentary throwing ourselves in front of danger for the sake of someone else. But no, we are called to self-sacrifice day by day, which I challenge you is more difficult. It is more difficult to live for someone else than it is to die for someone else because it requires dying to yourself daily. You can't do this properly without God's help but be a living sacrifice. Use this, these examples of others who have done the same as your great inspiration. And although our self-sacrifice should be in terms of gospel work and love, take your place in this ever-expanding hall of faith. Take your place among the saints who are honored for their faith and not just having faith, but having a true faith, a faith that results in works, in sacrifice, in honor and glory. And so pray this day for these things. Let's pray together right now. Father God, we just thank you so much for your loving care for us. We thank you for the many that have given great sacrifice, Lord, to, to give us the benefit of having the freedom and the opportunity to share your truth. Lord, we live in relative peace and we have for many decades in this nation. And I pray, Lord, that we would use it to your glory, that we would give ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, that indeed, Lord, you may be glorified in it and you may expand your gospel truth to many and that many would be saved.
Lord, I pray this day that this gospel truth goes out to many, and indeed they are saved by it. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I want to encourage you to contact us. If you have any questions about these things, or even objections and comments and things, we welcome any kind of discourse and dialogue. You can contact us at whitesrun.org. Find out more about us there. You can email me at whitesrunbaptist at gmail.com. I'll personally answer that email to you and will not put you on some kind of a mailing list, but I will answer your questions and handle your objections or whatever you have. I, I pray that this holiday finds you well. I pray that you honor those who indeed need to receive honor. God bless you.